Hello, everybody. This is Ellen Lakin, and we are excited to be with you today on the Thursday Poker Diva Show. And for those of you who are new listeners, the Poker Diva Show is not about how to play poker. It's about how the game strategy can enhance your personal and your professional life. And anybody who's ever played this game knows that that's the case. And you may not realize it, but you've been playing poker your entire life. Even if you have never played a hand of cards, you've been playing this game metaphorically every day. Because poker is about reading other people. It's about getting over a bad beat on emotionally. It's about dealing with a bully. And most importantly, it's about learning to play to win as opposed to avoid losing, which is something we all need to do in our professional lives in particular and our personal lives. And the show is certainly not for women only. In fact, we encourage everyone to listen. We have men on the show as guests and as callers, and we we often explore the gender dynamic because it's very real and it's very relevant now. And in order for anything to to happen in terms of equality, it's going to have to be a multi-gender affair, so to speak. No pun intended. So today's show is what to do when you're getting bad cards, so to speak, really meaning what happens when you do everything right and you still lose. Um, It's frustrating, but you can't let it deter you. You have to stay in the game, whether it's poker or life or business, because you cannot win if you're not in the game. You know, it's very interesting because if if you look at poker, it's a mix of skill and luck. And statistically, it's, it's said it's about 70% skill and 30% luck. So over time, the best players win. But as a poker player, sometimes you will get luckier ever than you ever imagined, but sometimes you will just be card dead. You just cannot get any cards. And how you manage that uh, takes thought, but it often becomes a very big opportunity. And we're going to talk about th- that today, and I'm very excited to have um, Carol Perlman from Perlman Communications with us today. And what we're going to talk about how to get over these bad beats and move on, how to manage your emotions after a loss, how to be deliberate in planning. You know, sometimes you have to give up and, so to speak, and fold and have a plan B or C for that matter, how to turn your losses into opportunity, and, and then how mentors can help you when the cards are are not in your favor. So I want to welcome Carol. Thank you so much for being on the show. So glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Ellen. Well, you know, before we talk, I just want to tell the audience a little bit more about you. Um, Carol is the founder of Perlman Communications, which is a crisis communications management company. And she specializes in preparing companies to navigate situations that could have serious impact on their image, their reputation, productivity, and their market value. And Carol has more than 25 years of experience in marketing, corporate communications, public relations, public affairs, crisis management. She has extensive global experience across industries, including healthcare, consumer products, finance, chemicals, and energy. And, and prior to, to Perlman Communications, Carol was a partner in Continuum Solutions, where she provided clients with solutions to um, manage crisis situations. And with the acquisition of that company by A.J. Gallagher, Carol founded Perlman Communications. And she's also an independent consultant to A.J. Gallagher, where she provides communication counsel and strategies for their clients. Prior to Continuum Solutions, Carol was senior VP in global healthcare at MSL, which is a global public relations firm. And she began her career with Sterling Winthrop Pharmaceuticals, which is how I met Carol. I won't tell you how many years ago it is, but it was quite a while ago. And she has held positions of increasing responsibility, um, culminating in her, her position of VP of Global Communications, where she's responsible for internal and external communications and crisis management. So, Carol, that's quite a career that you've had. Well, yes, why don't we end it there? <laughs> that sounds good to me. No more details. <laughs> okay, I'm Not, so glad. Let's talk. Yes, yeah, so so I just, you know, Carol was one of the, the, first, the first influential female bosses that I had. You know, I met Carol when I was very junior, when I first started my marketing career. And she was really the first person, and one of the few, I have to say, over the many years of my career that mentored me. And, you know, it was, 
at the time, I didn't really realize how important it was. You know, at the time, you don't really even understand what a mentor is. You just, and, and you, because of the lack of that happening over the next, you know, decade or so, you realize how special and important it was. So, you know, I'm really excited that she's here and, and you know, want to talk a lot about what she's, what she's doing in crisis communications. But, you know, just, just one thing to keep in mind is when, when we say crisis communications and we say managing crisis, it's not necessarily, you know, not everything is as, as major a crisis as something else. And so, you know, this is relevant to you, whether you're going through something major or you're going through something, you know, small right now. Um, So, you know, Carol, you started your career in marketing, but you then moved on to corporate communications, which was really a springboard to what you're doing now, right? Absolutely. And so can can you tell us about the interesting way that that transition came about? I would love to. Um, And in fact... Just as you said that you've been playing poker your whole life, we've all been managing crises our whole life. Yes. So little do we know that certain things do come natural to you. So how did it come about? I started, I went to, I started in marketing. Let me tell you, I loved marketing, and I love new products more. Yeah. And we got a new CEO, and he felt that the budgets had to be um, trimmed. So he brought us all in, and we presented the most important product in our, scenario, in our portfolio, which I did, and I thought I had it nailed. <laughs> Little did I know, three-quarters of the way through, he looked around, he looked at me, and he gave me the thumbs down. And I stood there, startled. How could he refuse me? I, did so, I, I really did this. I did all of the work that I could possibly do. I buttoned. I mean, how can I take this loss? Yeah, you had the winning hand, so you thought. I I thought I had the winning hand. Okay, so I sort of gathered my strength. I went over to my boss, who was president of a division at that time, and I said, please give me one more chance. And he said, I'm on the line. You're not. And I said, please give me one more chance. He said, okay. So I did all my homework. I, th- I thought of places maybe I should, you know, put more statistics in. I then went to round two, and I stood up, and I presented very proudly. And a third of the way through, he gave me the thumbs down. Again. Again. Second thumbs Again. down? Yes. Uh, two losses. You must, have been, you must have been beat up. I was beat up, but more determined than ever not to <laughs> accept a no. So I went to my boss, and I said, I figured it out. He said, I don't want to hear about it. And I said, no, trust me, I figured it out. If I haven't figured it out, I promise you that in a week, I'll, I'll change to another product in my portfolio. And what I realized during this last round was that this was a consensus manager. Mm. And he was looking side to side to see what his executive team, whether they were interested, whether they were shaking their heads, whether there was anything at all. And then he gave me the thumbs down. And I said, I'm going to spend the next week trying to convince every member around that table why I felt this was important and needed to see the light of day. So it seems like now, now you know your audience. You weren't playing to your audience before. You know, in poker, we talk about knowing who you're playing against, and you're going to play the same hand differently against different people based on their personality. So now you're exactly. finally realizing who the players are. Absolutely. And so, and so I said, you know what? I could make it very integrated. I could bring them, you know, t- supporting me through. I could ask them questions in the, in, the, in the presentation. And so this is what I chose to do. So I went back to my boss and I said, I, I can nail this. So he gave me another chance. I stood up in front of the CEO and the CEO <laughs> said to me, what have you got for me today, Ms. Perlman? And I said, I have the product X. And he goes, you're presenting the same product. I said, yes. He said, either you're really stupid or you found a way to convince me. And I said, I, I don't think I'm stupid. And my parents would be very upset to hear that. Uh, and I believe that I found a way to convince you. So I started off. I never directed any of my attention to him. I directed it to everybody else at the table. And he saw that. He saw that they were approving. Yeah. And he, he put his foot down, he put his hand down, actually, and he gave me the thumbs up. 
Third time's a uh, third tries a charm, right? He didn't use that, but (laughs) I I got out of there fast. Thumbs up was good enough for me. So from that, marketing, love marketing. I thought maybe I would break the glass ceiling and get a VP title as I was moving on, and that would be, you know, all that I could dream of. Well, that was my last week in marketing. What happened? The next, the next week, I was with the head of HR Global and the CEO, and he said, I have a, I have a job for you. I want you to convince this organization of the value and the power that they have in helping me to advance in, in our industry because if we don't advance, we're going to die. So we need to find another, another company. We need to do a merger. We need to do this. But I want the organization to be ready. And I said, thank you very much, sir, but I, I really do love what I do. And he said, look, if you don't do this and we don't succeed here, it doesn't matter what you have in your portfolio. It's not going to see the light of day. And I promise you that if you're really, really unhappy, which I doubt you will be, um, I will return you to marketing. So that was my job. And my job was um, helping the organization. I flew around the world. I, had, I was able to gather a team and to learn exactly what it is we did and wh- what type of people, we, wonderful people we had and start to build a confidence level within the organization. So, yes, so it wasn't something that you wanted, but it turned out to be a very good thing for you for many reasons. Many reasons. For many reasons. But I just just want to go back for one second. When you were getting those thumbed down, and you thought you had a great idea, which, you know, I've experienced the same. I think a lot of us have. What, how do you, you probably feel like, you know, it's like getting slapped and punched in the stomach. How do you, how did you control your emotions enough to continue to go on and to go back? I think that anyone that, that enters the business world does so because they have a passion about something. And I had a passion about working in pharmaceuticals because I believe that at the end of the day, whatever it is we came up with was going to help people or animals or whatever. So... I was determined not to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time. The second time that I failed, I <laughs> really was upset, but I did feel that I had an answer. And, and yeah, you go back, you lick your wounds, you maybe shed a tear or so in the confines of your office, but if you really believe in what you're doing and you feel a commitment, then you know you need to look in the mirror and say, I did all that I could do. And I gave it that last shot. Yeah, and, and that's that's a that's a something you really have to work on to keep your emotions in control. I mean, we all have emotions, and I think part of you know part of what made you do what you do is you're passionate about what you do, and that's a plus. So I think there's a fine line between being passionate and being emotional. And I think a lot of us, I know I have, I, I sometimes those lines blur for me. So you know, when we say don't let your emotions control you, it doesn't mean not don't be passionate about what you do, which is I think what what happened with you. You were passionate but not emotional, but not not so easy for everybody to to do. So we're going to go to break now, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Carol some more about how to prepare a plan B or even a plan C when things don't necessarily go the way you're looking for, and you're not getting the cards that you need. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. This is Ellen Lakend on the Poker Diva Show, and I'm very happy to be talking today with Carol Perlman, who is the founder of Perlman Communications, which is a crisis management company. And before the break, we were talking to Carol about um, how to get over your bad beats unemotionally and how to push forward. And she was telling us of a, of a success, of a three thumbs down and then a, a sec- final success. But, you know, we all know that that's not always the case. Sometimes you don't get that thumbs up. And, it, and it's hard, so, some, sometimes hard to move on because you start to get emotional about the whole thing. Have you, have you ever gotten emotional over something where it really some, took you some time to rebound? Absolutely. Many things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know something? Ellen, I learned a great deal when I read your book. Yeah. And, um, and I read it before we even had this discussion. Yeah. And there were so many things in that book that sort of brought back my memories because they were spot on, the way that you transitioned from here's the poker game to here's how it c- can apply um, in real life. Yeah. Okay. So... I'm going to tell you the story about my desire, a step back, to advance in marketing, which was not easy for women at that time. And um, I was ready for my next big promotion, and this is before the the last incident, and I was competing with two colleagues, and I would say that we were friends. You were competing for a promotion? I was competing for a promotion. And I was. Compete- and I just want to tell. I just want to tell the listeners. This is in the pharmaceutical industry, which is very, very male dominated. Definitely a boys' club, much like the poker table. Mm-hmm. And you said earlier about you know emotion and you know there's assertive and there's aggressive. Right. And we've always been labeled. Women have always been labeled as why are you being so aggressive? And and then they would go to my counterpart, a male, and say, now that's being assertive. <laughs> so I knew this was the game I was in, and I really wanted. I really wanted that promotion, and I wanted to sort of, you know, break a frontier and have women behind me follow me. So um, I did everything I could, but I knew that I probably wasn't going to get it. And so um, one day, one of my colleagues said to me, did he talk to you yet? Do you know if you have it? And I said, no, he doesn't talk to me. He goes, well, he's going to talk to me. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, how do you feel working for me? If I'm the one that's promoted. This is one of the people that you were up against. Yes. A man. And I said, would I, would I, I want to be promoted, but if you are promoted, then I will work with you as best I can. Um, that's the way it is. And he said, great, that's done. Little did I know that a couple of nights later, we had a very big business dinner and we had some clients there. So I said, okay, you know, um, I'm going to give it my best face. I think I was sitting next to the, the big, our big boss. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed that as the evening progressed, he was getting drunk. The and boss or the colleague? The boss. Oh. Drunk. Very, very drunk. And he was trying to get up from his chair. He couldn't, he couldn't quite do it. Um, and then I said, where are you going? And he said, I've got to leave. I ran over to my two colleagues male, and I said, he's not doing well, you better 
take him upstairs and put him into a taxi. And they said, are you crazy? That's political suicide. We wouldn't do that. You want to do it? You do it. I said, yeah, but there are two of you. Can't you help him up? You do it. So he got up, and I stood there, and I said, gee, this could be political suicide for me, too. And I saw him walk up the stairs and out the door, and I grabbed my coat and my purse, and I ran after him. And no sooner did I open the door, I found him face down on the cement. His glasses were broken. He was bloodied, bruised. Oh, my God. And as Crazy. I you know, tried to, to help him up, a taxi driver saw this, pulled over, got out, said, I'll help you. Where is he going? I said, where are you going, X? <laughs> and he said, I'm going to this location not far from here. I said, okay. So we took him to his apartment building, and I looked at the taxi driver. So you could learn from everybody. Yeah. And I said, sir, what do I do now? And he said, we're going to take him in, the two of us. We're going to put him in the elevator. We're going to press the number that he, over the floor that he lives in. And if he goes up and down all night, that's his problem. You've done the right thing. I said, okay. And what did your two male colleagues in the restaurant, were they just still in the restaurant? I imagine they so. They just left. So you, were, this was, you had to do this on your own? On my own. So I, I went home, and I remember crying my eyes out and telling my husband, I did the right thing, but I'm probably going to lose because this is political suicide. I saw him in a vulnerable position, and you know, it, it was probably better if I turned my back. I'm just not that type of person. So I gathered my strength. I went in the next day, and it so happened that we were presenting marketing plans, and my colleagues were there, and I went in, and I took my seat, and they said, so what happened? Did you, did you, and I said, let's not discuss it. So he walked in, you're, the, you're boss, bo the boss, with his glasses all taped, <laughs> and a Band-Aid on his, on his cheek, and he sat down and he said, you know, I learned a lesson last night. I learned about loyalty and commitment and bravery. And so, Carol, you have been, you are promoted. Wow. And, That's remarkable. And, and I said, you know, following your instincts, which, right. and, and, and you're in, in living with yourself and saying, these are my values. My parents brought me up to do this and do it the right way. And if you see somebody down, you pick them up. And, and it worked. It worked. So I, I lost a hand. I, I think I lost the game, <laughs> but I won, actually. Yeah, and, and I, I think the other thing that did for you is you were probably the underdog just because you were female. Let's assume you're all of equal intelligence. We know you were of higher intelligence because I think I know you're talking about. But let's assume you're all of equal intelligence. Um, you did something that set yourself apart, and that's you were really the better. You know, you were, you were really setting the tone for the way, you know, you operate your life, your values, and that was that, that put you ahead in the game. So, yes, it could have been political suicide, but you, you won the hand. And I think that's a great example of, you know, what to do when the cards aren't in your favor. And the cards weren't in your favor going into the promotion either. We're absolutely so you, right. So you, you really turned it around. Absolutely right. And, and what, was, what was the response of your, of your coworkers when you were promoted? Well, they, were they, they gracious? Were, they were fine working for me. They were fine working for you. <laughs> so you, you know, you deal with a lot of, you know, Small and big crises in your in your mm -hmm. current capacity. What what is what is one of the the most interesting crisis situation that you that you've experienced that you've learned an extra valuable lesson from them that you think you could share with our audience? Um, probably the first crisis because oh. I wasn't supposed to handle crisis. I was promoted. I was in communications. Yeah, I was in communications at the point for about three weeks. And it was a Friday night, and my family was going to the Hamptons, and, and I said, I'll be home at X time. And as I packed up to leave, the phone rang. And I said, I could let it ring, but it could be important. Like, be careful what you ask for, you may get it. <laughs> so I picked up the phone, and it was a radio station in Ohio, and they said, we have product here, and it's been tampered with. And we see wires sticking out oh of God. tablets. And I, I said, oh, 
oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I knew not to say, I had no idea what to do and hang up. Um, So I, I just said, tell me everything you can tell me. And I promise you, I will get back to you as soon as I, you know, can, can pull together the right people and we'll address this. So uh, that got me off for about 10 minutes. I then spoke to the security guard. I said, I, I think we have a crisis and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and maybe there's a plan. And he said, well, I have the keys. I'll open up the, the door to the, you know, where the books are held. And I said, okay. And it was a big red book. And I pulled it off the shelf. On how to deal with a crisis. <clears throat> on how to deal with a crisis. And it was written in 1970. <laughs> and the dust on it was about an inch thick. And I said, oh, my God, I have no idea what to do. So I said to the security guard, please get me into the CEO's office. I need to get into his and yes, everybody, this was the time where there were just Rolodex. <laughs> so I went, to, I went through his Rolodex, and I found head of manufacturing, head of this, head of that, and I started to make phone calls. And I said, I'm dealing with a crisis. And they said, did you call the chairman? And I said, no. I've always been taught in my life, don't go with a problem. Go with, go with it, it, with at least a, a semblance of a solution. Mm-hmm. So... They worked with me all weekend, and, um, and we, we resolved it. We resolved it, and actually, it was my first blush with, uh, with the media, who were wonderful, actually, and they helped me get the message out that anybody that had a bottle, you know, in this lot number, because we were able to just find the lot numbers, please return it to the store you bought it, and, and we would make sure that you were um, reimbursed. So the CEO walks in on a Monday morning, and he looks at me and he says, you're in the same clothes that you were on Friday. Do I not pay you enough? And I said, yes, sir, that's fine. We had a crisis. And, and, and this is what I had to deal with. And he said, oh, okay. Hmm. Next assignment, pull together crisis plan. So, so that, that was <laughs> that was that was a that could have been a disaster. Three weeks on the job, and you have a product tampering crisis, right? And now you've managed it, and you're you're being promoted. I'm being promoted in as far as responsibility. Yes, and yes. I had to put together a plan for thirty three thousand people. Wow. So okay, so you know that is that is an amazing example of what to do. Um, you know, you think the door is closing, you think you're really in a jam, you think it's going to be bad, and it really works out in your favor. And again, you know, that speaks to your ingenuity and your ability to just sort of move forward, um, even though you are getting dealt some bad cards. And to get a call like that on a Friday afternoon by yourself, three weeks on the job, really is a, um, is, is a, uh, a bad hand. So I want to talk more about those situations, Carol, but we need to go to a break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Carol about how you know when to fold, so to speak, or get out, because not every hand is a winner. Stay tuned to Poker Divas. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back. This is Ellen Lakin on the Poker Diva Show. And today we are talking with Carol Perlman, founder of the Perlman Communications, which is a crisis management company. And for those of you who weren't with us before the break, we were talking to Carol about what happens when really everything goes wrong and you think you're really in a jam and how you, you push your way through it, um, lose the emotion, be the better, take charge, getting, you know, taking control of the situation and, and how that worked for her. Um, and several times professionally, she's given us a bunch of examples about that. But, you know, we all know that sometimes even when you are doing all the right things, the circumstances come to be where you say to yourself, you know what, it's time to get out. I've, I've, I've had that with, with product launches. I was, I was trying to launch a product in beauty at a pharmaceutical company and very difficult thing to do. And I had a very specific vision of what, what, it, what, it should, what the launch should be. And the whole marketing team did it. And unfortunately, we were, as you were talking about before, being managed by a very big con- a person who was, was all about consensus. If everybody in the room didn't agree, it didn't happen. My mind, not a way to manage. It takes away a lot of innovation and creativity. But nonetheless, that's the way it was. And I wasn't. You you are, we were talking during the, the break about being political. I wasn't particularly political. My way was the right way, and I was going to push it through. And it was a lesson for me, even though in, I was right. I know I was right because the next team that came in did what I suggested and was successful. But in the meantime... Um, I had a very senior person in the sales team who wasn't going to do what I was going to do, and no matter what I did, it wasn't going through. And it hurt me because I pushed for too long, too far without that consensus. So what that lesson that that taught me was sometimes you do have to know when you are beat. So can you, I mean, you, I'm sure you've experienced that many times in your career. Is there anything, Carol, outstanding where you could think of where you just said to yourself, you know what, I've given it my all it's 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 just not going to happen. Absolutely, I mean, so many so many times. Um, <laughs> but I think it's it's you know, as the first time where I felt like you, and I and I said, you know, I know that I'm right. I know that this product should be should see the light of day, and it will help people. Um, I wasn't about to, to give up, and but when I saw the hint that he was a consensus manager, and there are good and bad consensus manager. Um, I decided, okay, maybe that's the hook in. So that was that was a, a you know a win for me. Yeah. Talk about the losses. There's been so many losses. There's been um, I've been I've been beat out over you know different positions. Um, I oh, I'll tell you the a big one. Yeah. Uh, when I got pregnant, there was no maternity policy hmm. in this company. And they assumed I was going to stay home. Well, I wasn't going to stay home, and I, I wanted to get back to marketing. So they didn't know what to do. I actually worked up till Friday, delivered on a Sunday, <laughs> and I had to come back in 10 days. 10 days? Yes. That's but I made it on my terms. I said, I'll be back. And I brought my son in, in a snuggly, and I, had, I did my presentations or what, you know, you did your presentation yeah, with your son in a snuggly. In a snuggly. And I said, this is, you know, God forbid I would, you know, have to breastfeed. <laughs> they all would have had a heart attack at that point. They were, you know, they're saying, your, your son is here. I you said, can't yes, breastfeed, but they can fall yeah. down drunk on their face. Yes. <laughs> touche. Touche. So I, I, um, I basically was told that the promotion that I was in for they did not feel that I could handle it because I had this little boy. And there was nothing that I could do to change that. I wanted to change it for the next woman coming up the ranks. Mm-hmm. So I chose not to fight it. And um, I did my job. What, it, what You chose not to fight? The fact the, that I didn't receive a promotion, and that, oh, okay. and that is the reason why. Okay, got okay? it. And remember, this is years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I chose not to fight it, but I went around it. And within six months, I received another, pro- I received the promotion. But I found somebody in the organization who believed in me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he would say to me, you know, I'm going to do this for you, but if you've got any problems here, you never come to me with the problem. 
You go to anybody else, just come to me with solutions. And, and that was also um, a touch point in my life. But yeah, I, it, was, it was very hurtful to not you know, receive that promotion for that reason. Then there are a lot of you know, products that I was working on, and they used to call them bulletproof turkeys. What, now, what is that? A bulletproof turkey is no matter what answer you get, you still want to fight for this. And unlike what I did you know, um, with the chairman, they were right. And, and you, you can't continue to throw good money uh, 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 you know, against bad. Right. But nonetheless, they hurt. They hurt when you have to sort of surrender and say, we're not going to go in this direction. So, you know, but hurt and frustration are all part of life. And, you know, you can choose to see, I hate to say the proverbial, the glass can be half empty, it can be half full. I choose to see that it, it's half full and how do I fill it up the whole, rest of the way. Right. So that's how I, de- I dealt with, with those, you know, frustrations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And, you know, there's, there's always, you know, there's people that say, you know, never give up, never give up. And, you know, that applies to certain things. But, but there are other things that just aren't worth that time, money, emotion. Yeah. You know, you st- started to speak about putting good money after bad when you know it's a failure. We see that, you know, in poker with the betting. A lot of people stay in hands. And when it comes down to the showdown, they're like, oh, I know you beat me. Well, if you know, if I know, if you knew you're beaten, why'd you stay? Right. You know, so right. so you don't, you know, you don't want to stay in just for for the sake of not giving up. I you know, I think there's 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 a people sometimes don't distinguish between the two. You know, sometimes you need to fold. You find your your time, money, emotion, whatever it is, it's just it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And 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 actually I thought about that example that you had in your book is when do you get up and fold? And and you know, to me that's a situation you're putting yourself in. You've put. You've decided to sit down at that table, and you've decided to play. But if it's one ha- bad hand after another after another, get up and leave. Right. Change the dynamics. You know that's a bad day, and and in business you have lots of bad days, and you can either let them you know um, continue to to eat you up, or you can just deal with it, move on, and 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 you know pick another day to either accept that fight or, or, or find another fight. But, uh, and, and I think in my case, I, I didn't purposely put myself in that position. That position was, it was up there. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it, the reason I didn't get it, but I certainly wasn't gonna give up on that organization. Um, I, I, just, I was determined to stay until somebody, and this is again, finding a mentor, who believed in me, mm-hmm. who would give me a chance. Right. You know, I think that a lot of people, um, and I've done this, some, a lot of people stay in jobs for too long. Yeah. Um, would you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. They, they you know, it's, it's one thing, you can only fight so much. You can only fight so much, but there are signs, there are verbal cues, there are nonverbal cues that people tend to ignore because they just say, you know what, on principle, I really want to stay here, and sometimes it's just not a match, and and you have to accept that. It's just you know when you're when you're when you're dealt some bad hands, you know. I'm not saying it's not frustrating. I'm not saying that it's so easy to get over. You know, it's easy. I can sit here and say, oh, you should just get over it. It's it's not that easy emotionally, but you do, and you have to recognize when you're beat, and when you're beat. You need to get out, and I think a lot of people stay in jobs for a very long time. The good news now is the market's opening up a bit, and you have a lot more flexibility. I think this is particularly relevant if you are a woman in a male-dominated industry, particularly tech. I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. you can have your pick of whatever you want. So if you're in a situation where the cards are constantly against you, and despite your own efforts, it's not working for you, you it's it's okay it's okay it's okay to fold no i totally agree with that and i think it's important that you know your own value and if it's not being appreciated where you are then it's time to look around and time to leave because you know you you've got one life to live and you want to be happy and productive and contribute wherever you are and if it's not appreciated find a place that it is yeah now you know Kara, sometimes people get into a crisis situation either personally or professionally and they um they do nothing, right? They do nothing because they think it'll just go away, all right? What, what, do you, what do you think about people who just think it's going to 
magically disappear. They've made a decision. And what do you, they've made a decision that it's going to magically right. disappear. It does right. it usually? Right. Yes. No, it does not go away. <laughs> it does not go away. But, but it's very interesting that you bring that up because you always make a decision in life. If you choose to go this way, you, that's a decision. If you choose to go that way, that's a decision. If you choose to go no way, you've made a decision to go no way. So, yes, um, when you're confronted with a crisis, you have to deal with it. It won't go away. Right. So people who think that's, that, that, that they're not making a decision of doing nothing are really making a decision, but that's not really a decision because sometimes doing nothing is worse than taking action. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your next question to me is, what would I do? Yes. Okay. What would I would suggest? Yeah. Okay. Um, when, when I go through training, I actually start the training the way I learned. And I said, there's the phone rings. You pick it up. It's a crisis. You're the only one there. What are you going to do? And then, uh, then we, we, you know, they understand the ramifications of that. They understand the need to pull together a team. They understand to, that people understand their roles and responsibilities and how to work together as a team mm -hmm. to resolve this crisis. And that's at the el elementary level. Um, and then it's, it's, you know, what do you do? You're, you're hit with it, you're presented with a set of facts, mm -hmm. and that's all you know. And so I say, that's all you know now. Deal with that. And they put together an action plan, they assign the, you know, what to do, and they set down to start to resolve the crisis. But you know, crisis has many tentacles. And in this day and age, whatever happens locally happens globally in a matter yeah. of a second. Right. So the media may know about it before you even know you, you have a crisis. So you know, as, it, as the situation evolves, you, you learn about the importance of communication, who to communicate, what to communicate, when to communicate, and, and what, is, what are the messages that you say. So you need to bring people along with you so that they understand that there is a crisis, what you're doing about it, and you will let them know, and the media, you'll let them know as, as it evolves. You'll update them, that's the most important thing. So then, it evolves, and now you're being hit by all sides. You're, you're being hit by family, by the company, by investors, by regulators, it depends on the crisis, and they're hammering you. So you, it's, not, it's not over. Uh, and, it, and it's called a life cycle of a crisis. And you want to try to diffuse it at the earliest stage. I'm giving you the right. real quick. You want to try to diffuse it at the earliest stage. How do you diffuse it at the earliest stage? You recognize it's a problem. You say to yourself, I can't deny it. Right. It's here. And if I can't handle it, I have to bring somebody else in who can. Right. But you have you do something. That that's that's you the do moral something. That's, you have you have to do something because it's not going away. And I think a lot of companies have been criticized yes. for not responding quickly enough. Exactly. Um, and right. I can't remember who I'm thinking of. I'm going to think about it during the break. Um, we're going to go to break now. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Carol about how mentors will help you yes. when the cards are not in your favor. So everybody, stay tuned to the Poker Diva Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. 
talkingalternative.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ellen Lakin on the Poker Diva Show. And today we're talking to Carol Perlman, who is the founder of Perlman Communications. And for those of you who weren't with us before the break, we were talking about how doing nothing um, during a crisis is not a good plan of action for anybody. You really have to decide you're going to do something. Um, but but one thing that we started talking about at the beginning of the show that I, I really wanted uh, to talk to Carol about is... How having a mentor can help you when the cards are not running in your favor. And, you know, as I, as I told you before, Carol was a mentor to me when I first started out. Um, one thing in particular she say, stay, say, said to me, it doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about, but it, it stayed in my mind for all these years, and I think it's great advice that I've given to other people. And we were running a program, and um, a, a consumer promotion for, for an acne product for teenagers, and there was, we were, I don't know, we were doing it, uh, some sort of a, an event or a program, and, and we were over budget. And I went to Carol, and I said, you know, we're 20% we're over budget on this, and I was all nervous about it. And, you know, I was a very junior person. I thought, you know, we're over budget. What do we do? And Carol just looked at me, and she said, you know what? In two weeks, everybody's going to remember how great the event was, not that you were 20% over budget. And, and that always stuck with me. I don't know if you remember that, Carol. I, think I do. But I think that's, that was really good advice, some, some of many that you, you had given me over the years. So, you know, I, I'm grateful that I had you. So can, can you just talk a little bit about how you think mentors help people when their cards are not in their favor? And, and also why mentorship? I know it's very important to you. It is very important to me. Um, and so I think about who was my first mentor. Well, your first mentor were really your parents, yeah. right? And then, and then your teachers. And I had one, I, I think I told you this, when I went for my MBA. Yeah. And uh, there was only two in the class at that time. Two what? Two women. Two women. Sorry, thank you. Um, <laughs> and he was handing out the stock exchange pages because he was going to teach the class how to read, and, and, and he hands me the style section. The style section? The style section. This is a professor? This is my professor. It's crazy. And I said, you know, you, you gave me the style section. <laughs> and he said, oh, did I really? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, hmm, anybody in this classroom willing to give their, their section and take the style section? And nobody did. So everyone else had a, st a stocks page but you. Yep. And he, and he did this for a reason. He wanted me to see this is the world I was going into at the mm. time. And sure enough, if you look back, and I look back over my career, the guys of this, and nobody was, and he wasn't, you know, this one wasn't willing to go and help the, the, the boss because, you know, political suicide. No one in that classroom was going to share the stock exchange page with me. He gave me the stock exchange page, and he became my mentor. Wow! And I'll, you know, I'll remarkable. never, I'll, I'll never, for, I'll never forget it. But it's sometimes it's a, it's a point of of, of adversity mm -hmm. where you seize that, and then you 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 know you attach yourself to somebody who's going to help you understand what's going on. So that that was my mentor. Then I got into um, the business world, and mentors were fewer to you know. You know, they didn't exist a lot. You had to go out, and and they and there were no mentorship programs that mm -hmm. came later. Yeah, and I would, you know, I would look at styles of behavior and how people were leading, and I would say, that's a no, that's a maybe, mm -hmm. and I would, I would, you know, meet with that person. I would ask them what I can do. This is my style. What do I need to work on? What don't? And and I would like to say that there were more women to become mentors, but there really weren't. 
And I think it was at a time where women were, were trying so hard to break through, they, they weren't helping other women. So I, most, of my men, most of my mentors were men. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think mentors are very important because they're a sounding board. They can perhaps see something in you that you don't see in yourself. They can help you when you're, when you're about to make a decision. They can help you understand if that is the right decision or why it may not be or what somebody else may think. And I think um, my entire business career, the person who, has, who was my mentor happened to be the CEO who <laughs> called me an idiot. But anyway, so he became my mentor for the rest of my life. Have you had any female mentors? Um, not really. But I've been a mentor to, to a lot of women. Do you, do you think it matters what gender your mentor is? No, not at all. What matters is how they make you feel about yourself. What matters is the advice they can give you to make yourself better. That, that's the most important. Yeah, I've had, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about having, um, you know, whether you should have a same gender mentor, different gender mentor, and, you know, you bring up the point is there's not always a lot of women in senior positions to, to fill that role, which is unfortunate. I think it's more so now. And um, I, I hope that we see more women supporting women in the organizations, both because they want to and because they're, they're in more senior positions. And it's an obligation. It, to me, it was an obligation throughout my career to be an example to other women and not to have my example um, be a deterrent or impact the growth of other women in the organization. And I would say that the people I mentor, I would say it, it's half and half. I mentor women, I mentor men. And it's mostly at times where they're at, a, they're at a point where they need to make a career decision and they just need some advice and they're afraid to make that move. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, an, it's an important thing and I think people underestimate the power of having a mentor. It's, it's, it's somebody to pro- provide perspective and perhaps tell you when, you know, whether you should be fighting those, those, those bad cards or you should be folding. I think that that allows definitely to have that different perspective. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about Perlman Communications. Can, can, you, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do and, and what the future looks like for you? Well, this, this I realized um, was my calling um, from that very first phone call. And I've, had the, I've been blessed with um, the ability to work with many, many different companies on many, many different crises, you know, reasonable crises and, and very, very difficult crises. Um, and so the future, unfortunately, unfortunately, is pretty bright because there are too many crises today, um, from active shooters to, um, you know, the same old stuff, which is like sabotage, to harassment, to inequality. These are all crises that we have to deal with. So what, what I do is I take the best of my learning and I share lessons learned that I've learned the hard way and where I failed so that they won't have to go in the same, you know, they, they, they may avoid the, the pitfalls that I had. And I really think that there is something to somebody who has walked in their shoes. It's very different to have an agency that comes and says, well, we can do this and we can do that. But if they haven't walked in your shoes, if they haven't reported directly to a CEO, if they haven't said, yes, sir, this is what you need to say, and, and, and look them in the eye and say, and stay on message. But the first message is, you've got to be truthful. You know, whatever happens. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had one client who, um, who said, yes, 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 and, uh, and they weren't truthful. And I, resol- I, I dropped them as a client. So, so, so you, you go to clients and say, you, should, you, maybe you need to look at this scenario based on what their business Correct. is? Okay. I take their worst case, the worst case scenario. scenario, their nightmare, mm-hmm. and what are the questions that you fear receiving the most? Mm-hmm. And I help them. I strategize with them, and, and we, together we put a plan as to how we go forward, what they're gonna, how they're going to deal with it. 
But it, it has to, it starts at the top and it goes all the way through an organization so that everyone in an organization, if they're confronted by that first phone call, they know where the second call goes. That's the most important thing. And then we go into other things like how to prevent certain crises from being worse, you know, like, and how to recognize certain issues, if there's a shooter, how to recognize that, um, and what to do about it. Unfortunately, I bet your business, I mean, fortunately <laughs> for you, but unfortunately for the sake of the world, I'm sure your business is now more than ever now more really than, a critical component yeah. for, for other companies. And so important that companies do this right, because the, the impact or the ramifications of doing it wrong aren't, it's, they're tremendous. Is, is there a way for people to get in touch with you, Carol, if they yes, would like actually, to reach they can, out? Certainly, I'd love that. They can, they can, you know, my email is carol, C-A-R-O-L, at Perlman Communications, all one word, very long, um, dot com. All right, great. And you can always, if you didn't catch that, you can always email um, Ellen at PokerDivas.com with an S, and I will be happy to connect you with Carol. I want to thank you for being on the show. It was great to talk to you and great to see you as always. Thank you very I hope, much. I hope you will come back and we'll talk about some of the things that we, we could do a whole show on um, mentorship, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and situational crises. So everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday at 1 p.m. on Talk Radio NYC. And remember, if you're interested in team building, leadership, diversity, or recruitment programs for your company, check out PokerDivas.com to learn more about our programs. And it's not about gambling. It's about learning everything you need at the poker table to be successful at the conference table. Have a great rest of the week, and I hope you'll tune in next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.